and we thank you for who you are, all that you do. Thank you that you use us. Lord, we just want to come and glorify your great name today. Lord, you are God and you are good. There's none like you. There's none above you. There's none beside you. We thank you for your goodness to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Isn't it good to come to the house of the Lord to worship with his people? Amen. Oh, uh, <laughs> Uh, that's my sermon title, actually. Not the Ohio, but what you doing? What you doing? And so I want to look at this morning uh, the question of what are we doing? Uh, right doing actually comes from right believing. But I need us to understand that God does intend on us doing something. Amen? Your salvation, Christianity Oftentimes, we get this mindset, it's, it's what we, we, we're not doing those things anymore. All right, and so, <laughs> there's going to be many that get to heaven, and they're going to wish God was judging on smoking and drinking. I'm going to tell you the truth. That is not the standard we see in the scriptures that he judges by. And so, we need to understand that that. What we think of getting a nice little clean life, I don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do, I get to go to heaven. Well, <laughs> I got a good church attendance. That must be, you know, marks on my... Uh, we're going to look today at exactly what God wants to be doing uh, in this world. He first originally intended on, and yet it was a part of his plan, he intended on using Israel to show the world his goodness. And Israel could not get it done. Why? Because all of the trying to work for God cannot possibly bring about uh, uh, the desire of God. He needs to work through us. But this is a people who is trying to work for God. So we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today. And, and, and if you can't uh, keep up in your Bible, it's going to be on the screen. But you just do the best you can. But don't get distracted because we're going to look at a lot of stuff. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 7 says, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. What you're going to see over and over and over in these scriptures, and we're just going to stay at Isaiah only, and just to try and make it things a little bit easier. But you're going to see in these prophetic scriptures, uh, looking forward to Jesus the Messiah coming, there's going to be some words that keep showing up over and over and over again. Justice, righteousness, mercy, judgment. You're going to see these things pop up again and again. Now, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Remember in Isaiah chapter 7, um, it says that he wanted to use Israel to show the world his goodness, but they could not do it. But, verse 2 of chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is called a messianic prophecy. This is looking forward to one who is about to come, and his name is Jesus. Amen. The people who look, walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them, a light has shined. I want you to remember this, because we're going to come back around to some other passages of Scripture about light. There, there's, this, there's this common theme through the Scriptures of light. and says, so 
a light has shined. Verse 3, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divided the spoil. For you have, catch this part, broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. We're going to see over and over and over again that God hates oppression. God hates it when people mistreat one another. He hates it when there is injustice. He hates it when there are those who have been trampled under the foot, the, the poor being trampled under the foot of the rich, the weak being trampled under the foot of the powerful. He hates that and he wants justice, which means he wants mercy to be shown to those who felt like they had no mercy. The nation of Israel was supposed to be that, but they could not do the work of God in their own flesh. So we're seeing these prophetic scriptures about the Messiah who is going to come. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, catch this part, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. When we see this passage and it's talking about government, just know that it's not, it's not the federal government we're talking about, it's the government of God. The kingdom of heaven. Amen? And he says, this is what the kingdom is supposed to look like. And if we're kids of the king, amen, we're supposed to be living out this kingdom practice and these kingdom principles. So he says, unto us a son is given. We know this is a Christmas verse. Uh, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, Pre Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What does he want? Peace. He wants, and that's the, that was the message that the angels began to share when Jesus was being born. But I bring you good tidings of great joy. There's going to be peace. And that peace comes through God. Of his peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his judgment, to order, over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. What is he saying? What man could not do in their own strength, in their own abilities, in their flesh, God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to come in human form. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, God the Son, is going to come and he's going to do it himself. But there's something else that happens when Jesus comes and he brings this transformation to the world. He also brings access to God through salvation. Amen? Salvation. It is through salvation. And we've covered this over the last several weeks of how must, how, what must I do to be saved. And, and salvation is simply this. I was born with an independent and rebellious attitude. And I want to do my thing, my way, and my timing. And guess what? I know you well enough to know you were born that way too. It's called a sin nature. And that sin nature is an... an a, it's an opposition to God. And yet when we come to realize that there is a holy and righteous God and he has provided a way to access to the Father that we can turn to Jesus Christ realizing that he has already paid the full debt of sin on the cross of Calvary and in turning to him we can have salvation. Amen? And when we do, there is a transformation that takes place in us and now a holy God can live in this what used to be unholy vessel. Why? Because we've been transformed through Jesus Christ. Amen? And then the plan of God can be lived out through you and me, which is what he desires for us. Chapter 11, Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And by the way, these are all loaded terms, 
all speaking about Jesus. They're all little hints in the Old Testament that points to Jesus, 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 Jesus. He was born in Nazareth. He come from David's uh, lineage. And this is the stem of Jesse. Jesse was David's daddy. And so we see all of this. And then verse 2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. In other words, Jesus is going to come and the spirit of God is going to rest upon him. And here's another passage of scripture just about that. Isaiah chapter... Let's see. Actually... Let's go to 42 first. 42. Verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. See these words over and over and over again. He will not cry out nor raise his voice. It will cause his voice to be heard in the street. This is interesting. Let me stop right there for a second. I got a text yesterday. Uh, from one of our church members and he says I'm out here at such and such place and there's an angry preacher on the microphone screaming at people you need to come talk to him (laughs) that's what I said (laughs) Uh, here in this passage of scripture it says Jesus didn't do it that way Jesus didn't do it that way I I, want (laughs) to I hope this don't offend anybody. Actually, I don't care if it does or not. But <laughs> I always try to throw that out there just to make it sound soft. But he said there were JWs there too. You know what JWs are? Jehovah's Witnesses. He said there were JWs there too. But they didn't say anything. And I'm like, well, I would prefer that than the other because that makes all of us look bad. Like we're all hateful, mean, nasty venomous and yet Jesus came and look at the, how it says it verse 3 a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench what is all that about have you ever seen a candle uh, that has already been burnt that wick you know that is so actual delicate that if you touch that thing it'll crumble Jesus said the scripture says that Jesus is one who is so merciful tender and gentle and kind that even something that delicate he wouldn't hurt you He wouldn't hurt you. You come out into the street and you're still wounded over some of the junk of your life, what you've done or what what someone has done to you. And and then you're going to get somebody preaching condemnation and and that you're dirty and you're bad and you need to... That's not how Jesus did it. You're already wounded. You've already been burnt. You've already gone through hell on earth. Jesus comes as a healer. Jesus comes as a restorer. That's what these scriptures are talking about. And that's what he wants to do in this world through us. Amen. A bruised reed he will not break. A a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fall nor be discouraged, fail nor be discouraged, till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastland shall wait for his law. What's this saying? Jesus hates when people are mistreated. And he makes us fit for the kingdom that we can carry out his kingdom purposes that we can bring healing to those who are hurting. We can bring victory to those who are oppressed. We can bring liberty to those who are captive. Amen. Are you with me, church? 
Isaiah 43, this is our passage of scripture. God gave Sand Springs Baptist Church, when we were still struggling with the transition he was taking us through, he gave us this verse, and then he said, we're fixing to do something new here. And one of the things that we did that was new was we dropped the denominational title. Because I believe the church of Jesus Christ today needs to stop having all of the dividers and the separators and come together as one church. Amen? This is the verse of scripture he gave us, Isaiah 43. Do not remember the former things. The nation of Israel were meant to be the ones used by God to show the world the goodness of God. But they were still holding on to Old Testament law that they could not perform on their own. And so it says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches. Can you imagine animals and critters worshiping the Lord? One of these days they will. But as for now, they better not have to take my place. I'm going to worship the Lord. Amen. Even, even, uh, make, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It's real dry out there sometimes, and I'm talking about spiritually. And he says, but I'm going to send rivers in the desert. I'm going to have them spring forth in the, most, in the most dry places. And we know that this springing forth is speaking of the Holy Spirit coming and, and bringing life. It goes on to say, uh, verse 21, this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. As we continue to see these scriptures over and over and over again, we recognize that God's plan for humanity is that his people go share the goodness of God, his healing power. I want you to turn back to chapter 42. Here's how we see in, no, 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 that's not the one. Chapter 4 to 61. Thoroughly lick those thumbs and let's get moving. 61. <laughs> Here's what the scripture says, as these people who were bound up in Old Testament law were trying to use their religion to bend God their way. We fast, by the way, every year. We start every year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've seen God do the amazing in, in our 21 days of prayer and fast. And one of the most amazing things he does is give us vision for our church. And here's what it says in Isaiah 60, uh, 58. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? I want y'all to hear all this. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked and you cover him and hide and not hide yourself from your own flesh, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. Do y'all hear the theme constantly over and over and over? That God wants righteousness and justice, mercy and truth. And that is the light that goes forth. It says, your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke, oppression from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Amen. God has a desire for all of humanity and that is that this entire world will know the goodness of our God. 
and not just by head knowledge, but experience it. Those who are bound up in hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and they just can't seem to get past it. We got a good God that can deliver you, amen? And he wants you to let them know about it. He wants you to let them see his goodness. And that's how this is supposed to be, folks. That's how it's supposed to be. What Israel couldn't do because they were actually just working out religion and trying to do it in their own abilities, what they could not do, then Jesus comes and he does it. And he brings salvation. I want you to look with me to his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth. This is in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This is also the same passage of Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You hear it? I mean, it's over and over and over and over. God says, I want the world to know that I'm good. And when they turn to a good God, they're going to have some good things happen in their life. They're going to experience a transformation. They're going to get set free. They're going to get healed. They're going to get restored. Their families are going to get put back together. Anything that you put God in the middle of, it gets better. Amen? I'm telling you the truth. It gets better. And Am I saying this morning that, that, that it doesn't matter how we live? Y'all know me better than that. I ain't even come close to saying that. Because remember, part of this is holiness and righteousness. Holiness and righteousness. If you live unholy and unrighteous, you will also live unblessed. <laughs> That's not a real word, but I'll make up words every now and then. You, you, you're just going to miss out on the goodness of God. We don't want to miss out on the goodness of God. As we continue through the scriptures, we see this theme over and over again. And I'm going to say it again. There's going to be a lot of people get to heaven and just wish God was judging on smoking and drinking and there what well, that's not the standard we see in the scriptures turn with in Matthew chapter 25 if we just think that cleaning up some things in our life is the standard that he judges on and 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 that's it then then we have the wrong mentality of it's about not doing my Christian life is about not doing this and not doing that and not doing that and that's not the scriptures Matthew chapter 25 31 this is powerful when the Son of Man comes into his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you took me in I was naked and you clothed me I was sick and you visited me I was in prison and you came to me then the righteous there's that word again the righteous will answer him saying Lord when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you we, we, don't even, we don't even recognize that we did that for you. We don't remember ever even seeing you, Lord. And the king will answer, verse 40, by the way, he is my king. And if he is my king, I'm serving him. Amen. 
And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Isn't that good? God says, yeah, that's right. You didn't recognize it was me because you were serving everybody. You was just serving everybody. If there was a need, you were a servant. And you served them, and because you served them, you were serving me. It was as if you were literally bowing to the feet of Jesus. You were serving me. But, verse 41, then he will also say to those on his left hand, the goats, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, prison? Do not minister to you. If we'd have known it was you, we would have done it. <laughs> That's what, you know, let's just pick and choose. If we know that he's the blesser, well, we want to bless him. But if you're down and out and you can't bless me in return, I'm not going to bless you. This is kind of how the mentality is. He said, for I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, yada, yada. All right, verse 45. Then he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Do you hear that? We'll be just as harshly judged on what we don't do and what we do because he's called us to do some things. I need us to understand that. You were not saved just to sit. You were saved to serve. You, as a child of the king, we have a king's business to be a part of. Verse 46 says, And these will go away into everlasting punishment and the righteousness into everlasting life. God has a plan for us as his children. He wants us to be about our father's business. Amen. Over and over and over in the scriptures, we see that he, there's this theme that that he wants injustice done away with. He wants his mercy poured out on the hurting. He wants the, those who are locked up in oppression to be set free. And that's why Jesus came. But you say, well, he's, he's gone now. He's, he is resurrected and ascended to heaven. I have not seen him with my physical eyes. He's gone now. Well, guess what? He has a plan. As he transformed our lives, he put his spirit within us so that we might do his work. Amen. Jesus told his disciples, you'll do greater works than me. Now, I have that, a hard time believing. I've tried walking on water. It didn't work. I sank. <laughs> I sink like a rock, by the way. I can't even float. <laughs> I, and, and he says, you'll do greater works than me. He's not talking about one individual doing greater works than he did. He's talking about they, we are now multiplied. Amen. Jesus, because he was 100% God, but also 100% human, was limited to being at one place at one time. But now the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, spans from Athens, Texas, all the way to the other side of Africa. And we are multiplied, and we are to be doing the very things he was doing, setting people free, sharing the love of God, and just continuing the work of the kingdom. We're going to go back through Isaiah real quick. I'm going to point out some more scriptures. I told you about this, that you need to keep this in mind. There's going to be a test, all right? There'll be a test. Every, we're going to bring up every person individually. You'll have to give us <laughs> chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. 
Isaiah 58 says this, verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Verse 10. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. Chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. We go through all of those scriptures and we recognize that light is his righteousness, his glory, his goodness. He wants it to spread throughout the land. When Jesus was born, he was called the day spring the, 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 the picture is, the middle picture is there is a darkness, and all of a sudden, out of the darkness comes this blasting light. There's spiritual darkness everywhere, and then Jesus comes onto the scene. And you know what? Darkness can't hold back light. You walk into this room, and I'm going to tell you, this room gets dark. I walk into this room, I have bumped my shin bone on those chairs so many times. All it takes is one little old light. I just turn my phone on. Light scatters darkness. And so, in, the, in Luke chapter 1, many of y'all already know who John the Baptist is. His daddy's name was Zacharias, and he was a priest. And it was his time to go uh, serve in the temple. And as he was in there serving in the temple, the Holy Spirit moved upon him mightily. And he begins to prophesy. I'm going to move through uh, uh, real quick his prophecy. He is speaking about Jesus, but it says, basically, verse 72 to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. That's what Jesus has come to do. And then verse 79, uh, verse 78. Through the tender mercy of our God. You see it? Over and over and over. Mercy, his mercy, his mercy, his goodness, his mercy. It says in verse 78, through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. I've got so many scriptures here. I could just keep going on and on and on. But let me just point out John chapter 8 verse 12 says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And those who follow me will, walk, will know the light of life. But then he goes on and tells us in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. Amen. I mean, we've seen it in the scriptures where he says, I, I've come to shine the light of God's goodness, his mercy, his righteousness in the world. I've come to shine that light, and he did. But now we are the light of the world. And he goes on to say that a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a, a lamp and put it under a bushel. But let your light so shine, you with me, that they will see your good works. Your what? Good intentions, good church attendance, good attitude, good what? Works. That's the question is, what are we doing? Are we doing anything? Are we just passive Christians who think that if we have a, a good feeling in our heart, a good little warm and fuzzy feeling, we're, 
church attendance is pretty good, and, and I kind of keep myself pretty clean, and I think that's good enough, right, God? Aren't you satisfied? Aren't you happy with me, God? Aren't you pleased? He says that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. My favorite verse in all the Bible is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, you are his workmanship. You're his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. He created every one of us for a purpose and called us to that purpose. And guess what that purpose is? Works. Now y'all know me if you've been attending here any time at all. I am not a works salvation guy. In fact, I just quoted to you Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. But the two verses prior is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it's by grace you have been saved. Not of works. It's the gift of God. So in verse 10 it says, You're not saved by works, but you certainly saved for them. Amen, child of God? What are you doing? What am I doing? Am I doing the work of the Lord? When Jesus went missing at 12 years old, his mom and daddy finally found him at the temple. And, and he said, Why are you so upset? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Christian, we ought to be about our Father's business doing those good works. We're going to end with this one. James chapter 1 and verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. I mean, I could just, I could just read that one verse for the entire 30 minutes. Just get read that one, read that one over and over and over. But be doers of the word. No, I'm a believer of the word. But you're supposed to be doing it. Because action really, really tells us what you believe. Action really tells us what you believe. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Don't, don't be deceived. Just because you believe it with mental assent that this is true. But you're not doing anything with it. Don't be deceived. But be doers of the word, not hearers only. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It's like me going and looking in the mirror and like, I need to fix my hair. <laughs> and walk away and forget, I didn't fix my hair. By the way, I don't have any hair. So, uh, <laughs> but it says, this is like someone looking at the word of God saying, I should do that. That's good to know. And doing nothing with it. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of what? Liberty. And continues in it. And is, a not, and is not a forgetful here. But a doer of the what? Work. This one will be blessed in what he does. I think I've made my case this morning. God... And his kingdom of light, life, liberty, and love is using us, intends on using us to spread his kingdom throughout this world. Amen. And if we are negligent in our work, I want to this morning encourage you. Oh, he's a good God. It's not a bad message. It is an awesome message that you get to go and share with this entire world. We have a good God who wants to set you free save you, heal you, restore you, bring your family back together, bless you, on and on and on we go. How do I get that? Well, there was a man named Jesus. 
And he lived a perfect life. But he died our death. You turn to him, putting your faith and your trust in him, and you place your life in his hands, and you will be transformed. That's salvation. Amen. And when that happens, now all of the, the attempts and tries of human flesh that could not live for God, now something has transformed into life, and now we are a holy vessel in which God can live through us. Amen? Now I'm not living, now, now I'm not having to try to live for Him. Now I just trust Him and He lives through me. It's all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I pray that this morning we would recognize that if you have a purpose for us, every one of us, every one of us have a, have a purpose that you designed us specifically for. There are those in this world that nobody can reach but us. Lord, may we not be negligent in the good work that you've called us to do. May we not be a bunch of passive Christians who just sit idly by on our blessed assurance and fail to live out your kingdom principles and practices. But may we be about our Father's business, sharing the goodness of our great God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to have baptism after the invitation. If you're getting baptized, go ahead and, and get back to the uh, changing room. Guys on that side, girls on that side.